But this morning we're going to open God's holy word and we're going to study. So I'd invite you to pray continually that God would open your hearts. This morning we will be in the New Testaments of your Bibles in a letter written by the Apostle Paul through the inspiration and guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. And he's writing to a group of struggling believers. Alright, there's a lot of problems in the church of Corinth. And Paul is just one by one talking about these problems. And I'm going to tell you something. I can definitely identify with what's happening in Corinth. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I am a mess. <laughs> and then I go to bed and I'm like, oh, that was a mess. And remind myself regularly of God's grace and His mercy and His kindness on my life. There's nothing I can do to deserve this. And He has showered me and poured His love into my heart, as the Scripture says. And we remind ourselves often, well, that is so typical of this book of 1 Corinthians. Paul just, in a gracious way, walks through one problem after another through this book. Some of you have read through this book. It's amazing. And some of the stuff he talks about, you just kind of shudder like, no way. How did that come about to be in the church of God? But it did. And Paul graciously walks through these problems, and he talks, quite frankly, of a lot of really bad news. <laughs> He's walking through this bad news with these people, but then you come to chapter 15, and it's almost like through the Holy Spirit, he cannot contain himself. He's like, all right, we've talked about a lot of good, bad news. I know we've talked about Jesus and his, his sufficient work on the cross, as that's all the way through the book, but then you come to chapter 15, and it is known as the resurrection chapter. And Paul can't contain himself. With all this mess of a life we live in, there is good news. And here's the good news in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Jesus rose from the dead. At the top of your sermon notes, you'll see this. These two words, good news. I want us just to take a bit of time this morning to talk about this good news. In fact, it's the best news ever. So guess what? You came today to hear about the best news ever. But before we get about the good news, you're like, oh no, here I knew it was coming. What about this last year? I, mean, you, I know you had to dare to turn on the news conventional news, any type of news you like to follow, for at least five minutes this last year. And when you turned on that news the last five, uh, this last year over five minutes, in the last 12 months, you turned on that news for five minutes and probably you were inundated with one segment of bad news after another. Bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. You turn that thing off and you're just like, ah! This is the world I live in. What kind of bad news are we talking about? Well, just think. I mean, it's like a no-brainer, right? The health news. <laughs> the prediction of a global pandemic. Suppose millions and millions of people predicted to die in a short amount of time. The shortage of absolute, and absolute necessity. And everyone knows now what PPE is. When I first heard it, I thought, what are they talking about? Now we all know about this stuff. Uh, the news telling us about the shortage and absolute necessity of an accelerated and untested vaccine that you gotta get right now, and you're about like to crawl in a hole. I don't see anybody. And 
I know there is an element of, of being cautious that God has put and made into our makeup, and, there, and that's wise. But nonetheless, when you turn on the TV, you're just like, oh, here it comes. Health news. What about political news? Oh, dear. Do we go to that this last year? No matter what your political persuasion is, I'm not getting into that today. We're talking about bad news of deceit and abuse and corruption, voter fraud, election tampering, government overreach. Get this. I mean, I turn on the news, I hear about this, right? I have different blogs I go to or different news bulletins I go to, and I'm hearing about churches fined for ministering to practical needs in society while while homicide and suicides are off the charts. I mean, we're talking about pastors imprisoned while inmates are set free. And I'm listening to this news, I'm thinking, what is happening? We're inundated with this bad and, quite frankly, just weird news. Over the course of this next year, we're going to walk through the book of Romans. And I would invite you to come. A little plug there. Come and hear the book of Romans. Because we see that this is not abnormal to the natural inclinations of the broken heart. A heart that needs Jesus. A world that needs Jesus. Okay, cultural news. Bad news of, think about this last year. The whole social, what some have have titled, I have opinions on this, social injustice. Abuse of power, riots in the streets, shops destroyed, bricks through windows, cars burned, BLM, Antifa, Proud Boys, defund police, all of them arguing their cause. Human beings being murdered by other human beings, and the irony of it, it is for social justice. You watch the news, you're like, what? The cold-blooded killing of law enforcement officers. Bad news. (laughs) Along with that, we think of our financial state. You turn on the news and you get financial updates skyrocketing unemployment rates, socialistic demands on business owners in a free market society, astronomical governmental spending. And you're looking at this stuff and you're thinking, what kind of a world do we live in? This is flat broke. This last year has just been crammed full of really bad news. However, We must realize this, that this bad news is not new news. All right, catch that. Although different, and it's a bit different, it's not new. This bad news is interwoven all the way through the existence of humanity. It is the storyline of human history is this bad news. As we find clearly in that, that book on your laps right now, and, and I know some of you are trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together, trying to process this. Well, clearly in the Bible, we find that because of sin and rebellion, the sin and rebellion of the first created human being, and who was that? Adam. Because of his sin, corruption has affected all of God's perfect creation. The fact is, we live in a broken world Full of sin and corruption and death. Bad news is all around us, friends. 
You cannot ignore it. The fact is, we need this. <laughs> we need good news. In a world of bad news, we need the good news to shine brighter than ever. Brothers, sisters, friends, God has you on this earth right now for a reason. It is to hear the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and to live the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. To live the good news. To shine the good news. To embrace verses like 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 in your Bibles. And here's what it says. Paul, to this church, after dealing with their problems, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the what? The gospel. Okay, pastor, that's a great verse, but what in the world is the connection with good news? <laughs> I don't see good news in there. That's a good question. The fact of the matter is, the word gospel actually means good news. <laughs> All right? So you have an English translation. The, the New Testament of your Bible was not originally written in English. It was written in Greek. All right? And the Greek word for gospel is actually a word that can be translated and maybe should be translated for good news. So what is Paul saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1? Now I would remind you, brothers, of the good news. Let me tell you about some really good news in a world full of, of bad news. Even as the bad news makes its way into the body of Christ, let me tell you of some good news. That's what Paul is saying here. So this morning I want us to look briefly at this key idea, this key truth. Every Sunday we try to dial in on one key truth. Here's the key truth. The resurrection of Christ is that good news. But we're not going to stop there, because very clearly in this text, it, it's more than just good news that you hear about. It's good news that is to impact every area of your life. So the key truth today is this. The resurrection of Christ is good news that is meant to change our lives. Would you mind following along as I read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning? Verses 1 through 8. By the way, kiddos, you're doing wonderfully. Parents, you're doing wonderfully. Keeping those kiddos still. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8, Paul says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Wow, that's a lot of wordage, and we'll work through that in just a minute. Verse 3 tells us exactly what the good news is. Here's the gospel. If you are wondering what the gospel is, here it is. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. It was written 2,000 years ago. Though some have fallen asleep or have died. Verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And verse 8 says, last of all, 
as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. The one untimely born is the human author of this passage. It is Paul. And God, Jesus Christ, showed himself to Paul on the road to Damascus. So what is this? This passage that we just read makes this wonderful connection for us from the good news and the resurrection. Two simple points today, and, we're just, and we'll be done. Here's the two simple points. First of all, the resurrection is, in fact, good news. We're going to remind ourselves today that the resurrection is good news. It is great news. It is the best news ever. If you leave today and you're not convinced that the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is good news, then, then something's wrong with either my explanation or something else. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is, in fact, wonderful news. And here's the other point we'll look at today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is meant to change your life. Let's start with this one. The resurrection is, in fact, good news. Basically this. Let's kind of whittle this down to this point. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, the good news story of the Bible would not just be incomplete, it would be utterly impossible. I mean, that's, that's the basics of what we're talking about. Paul, in this very same chapter, he says, your hope and your faith would be vain. It would be worthless if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. So is the resurrection of Jesus Christ important for followers of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. The gospel would not just be incomplete, it would be impossible if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Let's take a couple minutes and unpack this thought, starting with this one. The resurrection is good news that Christ really did die. Verse 3, Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died. <laughs> I mean, let's just acknowledge this, all right? Normally... As any one of us would talk in this room, normally, death is not good news, okay? You think about death, you're like, oh man, we need to weep and mourn, and certainly that was part of this equation, but Jesus' death was great news. Like, man, what are you, what's your problem, pastor? That's morbid. No, it's great news, and why? Because of the next three words. Christ died for our sins. Sin is anything we do. It's anything we say. It's anything we even think that does not meet up with God's holy nature and just standards of righteousness. And where do we find that just standard of righteousness? Well, Paul doesn't hide it. He says it right there in the last line. It is in accordance with the Scriptures. Why is that so important? It's because not a single one of us in here can set the standard of what is right. In fact, the Bible says every man does that which is right in his own eyes. So, what do we do to find the standard of righteousness, the standard of holiness? Well, what we do is we run to the Word of God. We run to the B-I-B-L-E, as the little critters sing up there. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. A B-I-B-L-E. We run to the tried and tested Bible. And what does the Bible say 
about you and me, about life, here's what the Bible clearly teaches, that through the sin of Adam, all have sinned and fall short of that standard, God's glory. All. Not just some. Not just a couple. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But beyond that, the Bible clearly teaches that the wages, the payment of sin is what? Death. Death. We're talking about eternal separation from a holy God. And and not just eternal separation, because a lot of times we like to talk about the separation. That doesn't seem so bad, just separated from God. But the Bible clearly teaches you it's not just eternal separation from God, it is eternal condemnation from God. Okay, that is bad news. That's something we don't often like to hear. But then I'll remind you of the rest of that verse. For the wages of sin is death, But the gift of God is eternal what? Life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the Bible clearly teaches us that we're all sinners. The Bible clearly teaches us that the payment of our sin is eternal separation and condemnation from God. The Bible also clearly teaches us that God demonstrated his love to you and me. And while we were sinners, I mean this is exactly what the Bible says in Romans 5.8. While we were sinners... Christ died for us. So pastor, why is Jesus' death good news to you? Because he died for my sins. This is a debt I could not pay. The beauty of God's grace and mercy and kindness is seen in the cross of Jesus Christ. As soon as Adam, and and actually that's the beginning of your Bibles. As soon as Adam rebelled against God, what do you find in Genesis 3? It's called the first gospel. The first rendering of the gospel is in Genesis chapter 3. And what is it? God in his grace and mercy and kindness, he says, I'm not going to leave you there without a help. I will send you a comforter. I will send you a rescuer. From then on, all the way through your Bibles, we're turning page after page in your Bible, and we're looking for that rescuer. Is that rescuer Abraham? No, it's not Abraham, but it'll be through Abraham. Is that rescuer Moses? No, it's not Moses, but it will come through the law that Moses given. We'll see more evidence of what this rescuer is going to look like. We work, work all the way through our Bibles according to the Scriptures, and we come to this point in the New Testament of your Bible when Jesus comes onto the scene. Jesus experienced a miraculous birth. 100% God, 100% man at the same time so that he could 100% redeem. This Jesus lived a sinless life. This Jesus pursued selfless ministry. This Jesus suffered a sacrificial death. Why? Christ died for our sins. Christ died. Here's another way of putting it. We we were talking about this last night as a family. Christ died as our substitute. Jesus went to the cross, so I don't have to go to the cross. And, and, And here it is. It's more than just Jesus taking on him our sins. 
Jesus experienced the just wrath of God so that you don't have to experience the just wrath of God. That is the good news. The good news that the resurrection shows us is that Jesus Christ really did die for me. I've been, I've been torn up about this all week long. Honestly, ever since the 10-year-old boy when I came to Jesus in faith, this has been tearing me apart. God Almighty sent His Son to die for me. More particularly this week, I was thinking of heart transplants. We've been talking about heart issues, matters of the heart, heart-healthy Christians the last month and a half. Pastor Matt's going to start into a study on the heart here next week, 9 a.m. Another plug, Matt. But here, I've been thinking a lot about this. And I went back and I was just like curious about heart transplant. That's something that really intrigues me. Heart transplants. How in the world do you do that? Came across this dude. Louis Washkansky, 1967, became the first heart transplant recipient as the heart of a recently deceased Denise Darval was placed into his chest by this doctor, Christian Bernard. And I was overwhelmed with this, that one person died to provide and provided life for another. But then I'm going to tell you, friends, that's where my heart just blew apart this week. Jesus' death didn't just provide life for me. Jesus' death didn't just provide life for one. He provided life for every single person that would ever believe in him. That is the good news. He provides a heart transplant for you. We're talking about a spiritual heart transplant for you. As is prophesied in the Old Testament of the Scriptures, He gives us a new heart. The resurrection is good news that Christ really did die. And now we're, we'll speed this up just a bit. The resurrection is also good news that Christ really conquered death. Yes! I mean, we, this is what gets us excited about the gospel, that Jesus not only died, he conquered death. That's what the scriptures clearly says. Verse 3, For I delivered to you of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. And here, verse 4, That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, Again, in accordance to the scriptures. What is this? Friends, Christ did not... Christ did. We'll start with this. Christ did what no other person in human history could ever do. He conquered sin and death in his own power. No one could do that. Only the perfect God-man, Jesus Christ, could conquer sin and death. So not only did Jesus really die, Jesus really conquered death from his resurrection. Here's the fact of the matter. Some of you have been over to Israel. How many have been over to Israel? Several in this room. And you've gone by maybe the traditional side of the tomb or maybe the one outside the, the, the gates, as some might say it would be there. Here's the fact of the matter. Our Savior's not in the ground over there. He rose from the dead. 
I mean, this could not be said by any other prophet or priest or king through all of human history. It's only Jesus Christ. This could not be said by any other religious leader. No, not even Moses. No, not even Muhammad or Buddha, the Buddha or Confucius. Not Smith or Young or Russell or Rutherford. All are still in the grave. But Jesus is not. Jesus is the only one in history who conquered death on his own power. He rose from the dead. And in this very same chapter, you can maybe write down verses 54 to 57 because this is awesome. This week, go to the end of this chapter and you're going to see some dynamic words. Let me just read them for you. Here it is. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? I love this. Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. In the scripture, that's what shows us we're truly sinners. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, why is the resurrection such good news? Because through the resurrection, Jesus conquered eternal death. Through the resurrection, Jesus conquered sin. Through the resurrection, Jesus conquered the enemy. Who's the enemy? Satan. Through the resurrection, Jesus did not just deal with the sin and the death thing. Jesus also provides life through the resurrection. Even though at this point in redemptive history, as you're probably trying to process in your own mind, even though all human beings are still experiencing physical death, just as Christ rose from the dead 2,000 years ago, the Bible is very clear that all who place their faith in Jesus Christ will also rise from the dead, eternally to live with Him. That is the story of our Bibles. The resurrection is good news that Jesus died. He really did die, and he really did conquer death. But there, there's this in this passage. You can't ignore this, okay? That he really was seen. Okay? As much as we want to kind of fly through that, we need to talk about this because Paul talks about this through the Spirit very clearly in this. And I'll just mention this, read these verses. We must place this in the discussion because Paul does. Here it is. For I delivered to... To you of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried, that he rose the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Now verse 5, and that he appeared. He appeared to Cephas, who is Paul, uh, Peter. He appeared to the twelve. He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Okay, so if it wasn't enough just that he appeared to Peter... To the twelve, go ask any of these 500 people. They saw him. Verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born. Paul says, and I saw him. I know he rose because I saw him. My very own eyes I saw him. 
He changed my life. If you want a beautiful study of what the resurrection of Jesus Christ can do in someone's life, see Paul, this murderer, this one that did everything in his own power to destroy the work of Christ. Jesus Christ touched his life on the road to Damascus, changed his life. And Paul says, I know the gospel's real and the resurrection is real because I saw him with my very own eyes. The fact is that Jesus was physically seen and that fact dynamically confirms that he really did rise from the dead. There's several that might be skeptical here today and I don't think there's another way you can better argue that Jesus rose from the dead than to say he was seen seen. This is not a fabricated story to appease Jesus' followers. No, the resurrection is the fact because he truly was seen. So what did we just do? We just looked at the fact that the resurrection is good news, my friends. It's really good news. It's the best news ever. But now let's transition for the last 10 minutes or so to the last section of this sermon, and here it is. The resurrection is not just good news, put up here. It's good news that's meant to change every aspect of our lives. Okay, it is not very complicated. So all of that news that I mentioned, that bad news that I mentioned earlier, that affected some of you in different ways. You know, the financial thing, some of you, is like, that didn't really touch me that bad. Uh, the physical thing, some of you have not really been touched badly by the COVID. Some in here certainly have. But some of you, that, that didn't really touch me that bad. So when you receive news, for some people, it's just here. For other people, they experience this. That is what's meant by the gospel of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. It is not to just take the fact of the resurrection and put it here. It is to take the fact of the resurrection and put it here and live it here through your life. And that's exactly what Paul says. And I think that's found very clearly in verses 1 and 2. If you would just follow along as I read these verses. Paul says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, or brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. All right, let's work through this just briefly in the next couple minutes, starting with this. There's some awesome verbs in this passage. I'm going to highlight a couple of them. This gospel which you received. Now there's some language uh, people in here that love talking about the original language. And I'm just going to mention this. This is one of those words that we found in the aorist tense. This is designating a clear past action. You have embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of the resurrection. In the past and are confidently standing on it in the present. Okay? That's what's me meant by you receive this. You receive the gospel. The gospel of the resurrection is not just some cool theory. Okay, This is where rubber meets the road. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just some cool theory that the apostles taught 2,000 years ago. No, this is something that we've embraced for ourselves. We've taken it on as our own. We've taken ownership of this gospel. In other words, this, that gospel, that resurrection, it's mine. And you ain't doing anything to take it away from me. It's mine. 
he says this, the gospel in which you stand, okay, this would be what's known as the perfect tense. Designated completed action in the past that is drastically impacting the present. In other words, you have embraced the good news of the resurrection in the past, and you are confidently standing on it and in it right now. This is how it changes our lives. Not only do we receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, we live it today, and we live it tomorrow, and we live it the next day. We stand on it every single day of our lives. That's the gospel. That is the resurrection. And then he says this, and by which you are being saved. Hey, pastor, don't you, pray, don't you preach that Jesus comes and saves you and justifies you and makes you in a right standing with God? Well, absolutely, that's the scriptures. It's called justification in the Bible. He changes you positionally, but also as you go through scriptures, you see that this positional change impacts every day of my life. If I am truly changed by God, I'm going to live differently tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, because that's what the gospel does. It changes our hearts. You are being saved. And, and this is the beauty of it. And I, I want to just park here for about two minutes. Because when we talk about the resurrection, a lot of times we talk about it in this positional sense. Oh, that Jesus resurrected us to eternal life. Yes! But do you know that the resurrection is, mo is, is just as important for you today and tomorrow and the next day? The resurrection's given you help for that addiction in your life that you can't kick. The resurrection's given you giving you grace through that anger problem that you can't, that you can't, that you can't seem to contain, that pornography issue, that lying issue in your life, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what gives us grace for each one of these days that we live this life. The fact of the matter is, we have been rescued from the penalty of sin through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are being rescued right now from the power of sin. That's what the gospel does. It is resurrecting you, and it is giving you hope through the power of sin in your own life. And then one day, we will be resurrected. We will be relieved from the very presence of sin when we're in the presence of Jesus Christ. That's the resurrection. What's the point? Resurrection is good news because it is meant to completely change your life. Past, present, future. There's another point to be made here, though. The resurrection is meant to change our lives through the confidence of true faith, putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this confidence in which we stand. But very clearly in this text, we need to talk of this. The resurrection is meant to change our lives, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Take this home and really dig through this in your mind. Think through this. The resurrection is meant to change our lives through the perseverance of true faith. Hey, what are you talking about? Well, listen to how Paul describes this perseverance of true faith in verse 2. By which you are being saved if you hold fast the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain. I, I can't erase that out of the Bible. It's in there. And what is this? Well, I'll tell you first what this is not, okay? Because some of you right now, you're like, what is he saying? <laughs> if you compare Scripture with Scripture, this is not teaching salvation can somehow be lost by my bad works. And it would not be of grace. 
nor is it teaching that salvation can somehow be earned by my good works, because then it would not be of grace. But this is teaching that true faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ will change the way I live my life. Somehow, some way, the resurrection will change the way I live today and tomorrow and the next day. That is what this is saying. Why am I so passionate about this? I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor. My grandpa was used of God to start this church back in 1960s. I grew up in this sort of glass box of Christianity. Heard the truths taught over and over again. I mean, it was like saturation turbo. Every single kid's program, I learned so many verses. All these things. When I, I mean, I'm talking about a 9 and 10-year-old that can walk through details of systematic theology. I'm going to tell you something. All of that was here. It was not until as a young man I came to the place where I saw myself as Jesus saw me. Not as some good little pastor's kid, but as a sinner who needed grace. And I remember as if it was today, sitting in a sermon preached by my dad. I remember what the sermon was on, but I remember God got a hold of my heart, and I saw myself the way Jesus saw me. Not some little goody two shoe little preacher kid punk, but as a sinner that needed Jesus to save me. And I believe at this time in my life, God used the gospel to change my life. It was not sufficient just to plug it in up here, it was sufficient for every single day of my life. And Paul says this in the next phrase not only if you hold fast to the word I preach to you. This being a present, active, indicative, in other words, an ongoing venture. You are holding fast. You are taking ownership of the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you're not letting it go. You are keeping it with all you have. You are retaining it faithfully by God's grace. But then we come to, I would say, what probably is the saddest, most sobering five words in this entire text. Unless you believed in vain. Unless you believed without truly acknowledging or embracing what, it, what the gospel truly means. What are you talking about, Pastor? Here's what I'm talking about. The scripture, the New Testament clearly talks of two types of belief. One type of belief is a superficial belief that simply acknowledges that a truth exists. I believe that there's a truth that exists. There's another type of belief clearly taught in the Word of God that is a sincere belief that truly experiences a truth. This is a truth that truly changes a life. I believe that's what this is talking about. Unless you believed in vain. I know there's some here that have heard the gospel story and you're like, dude, that's, that guy's standing up there yelling a lot and sweating and all that stuff. I heard all this before. Let me ask you something. 
You've heard this before, but have you really heard this before? Has this changed your life? biblical fact is true saving faith will not allow someone to just acknowledge a cool truth to avoid hell or to accept an amazing promise just to get myself past heaven's gates no true saving faith is consumed with a risen savior who has and is changing my life today from the inside out so what so what you went a little longer than I expected, Pastor. My apologies, kind of. But I'm going to tell you this. So what? How is this going to change your life in the least today? Again, I want to say, it's no mistake that you're here. God knew you needed to be here on this day in this place. No mistake. But here's the question I have for you. Has the good news of the resurrection of Christ changed your life? life. Put that word your in all caps if you want to. Has the gospel changed your life? Your life. Your life. For those who have not yet received Christ, would you come to Jesus today? It's no mistake that you are here today. It's no mistake that you've been taught probably for years this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My friend, as the apostle Paul shares to a jailer in Acts chapter 16, a jailer who's about to commit suicide. You know what he says? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That's the same plea I have for you today, here and now. Would you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and experience the salvation, the grace of an almighty God in your life? Will you come to Jesus today? For those who have received Christ, would you, would you let this passage stir you up? Hey, if you've come to Jesus in faith, do you remember that time? And, and I'm speaking to some that maybe remember this time back in your life when you were at Bible camp or a VBS or you were in the Awana program or you were here in the body of Christ here or at a different church and you received Jesus Christ as your, your personal Savior. Let me ask you something. Does the resurrection of Jesus Christ stir you up every day? I have new life, as Paul says to the church of Ephesus, Over and over again through the New Testament, we walk in newness of life because Jesus rose from the dead. Would you let this passage that we studied today in these brief moments stir you up? Would Would you allow it to compel your soul to live more faithfully, to provoke you, to persevere, to keep going to the end? All of that bad news we talked about just a little bit ago, what does it do? It discourages you. It depresses you. It drives you down. Would you rise up because Jesus rose from the dead? You rise up to live another day for God and His grace in a world that is consumed with brokenness. Amid all the bad news that I was thinking about this week, I found myself singing a song. Yeah, it was one of those songs I learned when I was a little critter. (laughs) It was. 
God brought it back to my mind. I found myself singing this good news song, and I had to share it. And here's why. I looked into it a little bit, and it was written by a 42-year-old Presbyterian minister, ministered in California and Pennsylvania. This was a guy who loved Jesus, but he was constantly inundated with doubt about the resurrection. Did the resurrection really happen? He would teach the resurrection, but is that truth? This 42, here's why I say this, because I know I don't look it. I'm not like 32, but I'm also 42. And God used it in my life this week to say, Andrew, keep going, brother. God is saying, you, by, by my grace, you can do this. Keep preaching the resurrection. Keep telling people the resurrection. And God used this song written by this fella, Alfred Ackley, and here's what he writes. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living. Whatever men may say, I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. In all the world around me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blasts The day of His appearing will come at last. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King. The hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find none other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, He lives. Jesus Christ lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? Friends, he lives in my heart. God, I pray that you would overwhelm us with this. Oh God, I know there's some right here that have been debating this and thinking of this. For days, weeks, months, and even years. Maybe they're asking, is this Jesus worth it? Father, I pray that you would break their hearts today. There's some young ones here that are doubting if this Jesus is worth it, worth living this life for, and I pray that today they would come to you in saving faith. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, do your work in this midst, I pray, and draw sinners to salvation. My friends here today, there's some of you that are wrestling with this right now, and maybe you need to continue this on your way home, in your own home, to continue to wrestle with this truth. The truth of your eternal destiny. Has Jesus saved your soul? Have you placed faith in the only one that can pay your debt? I will tell you, there will be ones at the front here in just a bit, chaplains at Cross Point Community Church that would love to pray with you, talk with you more about this. I will be here. Other elders will be here. Either here or in the back. We'd love to pray with you. Even pray that God would give you grace through the doubts that you have in your own mind to navigate through some of this these skeptical thoughts that you have to wrestle through these things we'd love to pray with you but I will say this 
would you come, I will ask this, would you come to Jesus in saving faith today? Stop playing games with Jesus. Come to him in faith today. Some that have already come to Jesus in saving faith, and I would I would ask you to take these brief moments right now and pray that God would allow the resurrection of Jesus Christ to stir you up this week. This morning we talked about good news, but I'm going to tell you, how often do we treat the good news like bad news? I'm going to tell you, if it's truly good news, there's not a neighbor in our region that wouldn't have heard about it. People you work with, people on your sports teams, people in your school, they would hear about this Jesus. Would you pray that the resurrection of Jesus Christ would stir your heart up today? Through the resurrection, we have living hope. Hope for past, present, and future. just a minute we'll stand and sing this song living hope but my prayer is that God would not allow the truths we heard today from 1 Corinthians 15 to stay here that it would be taken home with you would be written on your own hearts you're so good to us God and we thank you for the time we could spend together today I want to thank you for these little kids and I did so well sitting here parents young adults I want to thank you for every single person who came here today to celebrate the resurrection. And I pray that we would leave here with the joy of the resurrection, this living hope we have. Bless now as we sing this anthem of praise to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to close out in an anthem of praise to our God. We're going to sing living hope. If you know this thing, feel, this song, feel free to sing along. Uh, there will be some of those that are willing to pray with you at the end of this service. Maybe it's not even about salvation. It's just you have a burden on your heart. Would you come pray with someone uh, towards the end of this service? If not, we pray that God gives you a great day celebrating the resurrection. Some of you came ready to share of your resources. We're not passing any offering plates. There's boxes in the back if you'd like to participate that way. But I want to tell you this. I'm going to pray for you this week. I'm going to pray that God stirs up your heart as he's done in my own heart and that God continues to stir up my heart with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's sing about this living hope.